Welcome to SelfDiscoveryRadio.com, where the orchard of wisdom is just ready for picking. We celebrate your why, the journey that you've taken that inspires someone else. We support your services. We support your story. Come and be our guest. Become a host. Be an author with us. Come and see what we've got. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of our Central Expressions. Also, including in the genre right now, is raising our gifted children. Looks like I'm a little out of sync today. Not with the content, just with the words matching what's coming out of my mouth. That's one of those wonderful technical issues that we run into now and again. But there's nothing technical about my guest that I have here today, a guest that's been with us before. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest is Tisbora. She is a wonderful, sensual being who ignites our sensuality within us, has it connect with ourselves on all levels so that we actually look at sensuality, sexuality, and our central beingness as something that is absolutely beautiful and divine. But now she is doing something wonderful and different. She has this beautiful book called the Revolutionary Intimacy Book Celebration, and she is aligned with a charity in Vancouver, BC, which is raising awareness on sex trafficking with children. I've done shows on this before, and it is quite horrific of what is going on in the world. $150 billion a year worldwide is your sex trade. And if that is not a disease or an epidemic, I don't know what is. But why are we not talking about it? Why are we not addressing it? And why do we assume that all sexual trade or sexual activities with children are runaways or poor kids? Your kid in a private school is just as vulnerable as those kids that are forgotten on the streets. So there's this wonderful fundraiser that's going on to bring awareness to this, to which Dispora is a part of. And we're going to be learning about that today, how you could be a part of it, but also a wake-up call on two fronts. One, sexuality is not dirty or the disease. It is how people abuse it and use it. Because really, when people abuse other people in sexual activities, it is a dominance thing. It is a control thing. It is not a sensuality. Let's draw the line there and let's understand what that line is. Welcome back to the show, Tisbora. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited for our conversation and where it's going to go and, um, and to bring greater awareness to not just the community here in Canada where I'm at, but around the world. Yes, it is a world thing, isn't it? It is, it is a big concern. And I think maybe sexual education is something that's missing and one of the things is because people don't know how to tap into their own sexuality their own sexuality and it's been brought up as something taboo or is a scorecard or a lack of intimacy within self so people who go seeking for it elsewhere in the deep dark web or prostitution or pornography or anything else, especially with children, the trouble lies within them, doesn't it? Because that disconnection within themselves. Yeah. You know, I, <clears throat> excuse me. I had a friend the other day ask me the question, how do we identify, how do we connect with our sexual identity? 
And I was like, wow, that's a potent question. And when I reflected on, on my life and the experience of many of the people I work with, we've been given a platform or an, ex or yeah, an environment where we were able to safely explore our sexuality. We can't connect with who we are, our identity, understand our, our identity sexually, unless we're able to explore that in a safe place. And so what you're speaking into is we have humanity that has been raised in a society where there's been a fear of sex mm -hmm. and there's been so much shame and projecting our own emotions onto other people that even if someone is in the midst as an adult of creating sexual harm, what we go to first is persecution. Yeah. And I'm not condoning sexual harm, but why I'm sharing that is because if we only persecute, and we do this throughout our whole life, right? As children mm -hmm. grow up by blaming or shaming someone for their desires or their sexual identity, is we're not going to create anything different. No. Because all we're doing is Labeling. locking people up in their own prison or behind the prison walls and we're not giving them a chance to start to understand themselves. Right. So there's so much confusion around who we are sexually. There's so much confusion around desire, around turn on, around arousal. So of course, like when I look at what happens in the world around the sexual harm, of course that's a given. So we have to change something. Yeah. We have to change the platform and it's not black and white. I don't have all the answers, but all I know is that something needs to change. We've had for thousands of years, this um, sexual dictation. And uh, there's always seems to have been an, a kind of a double-sided, you know, men can do, women can't do. Women can't express themselves centrally. She's a slut. Men do it. It's a scorecard. Um, you know, men, boys will be boys, locker room talk, etc. cetera. Um, but I think one of the big things that is missing in the sexual education is not only the awareness of your sexual chemistry, which is naturally within you, um, the understanding where the desire comes from, but also the respect of self sexually and how you treat others. Yes. What comes to mind is as we grow up as adults, <clears throat> and you think of even a marriage or a committed partnership, I have witnessed so often, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I have witnessed so often where people get to the point that they feel obligated to have sex. Yes. And what you shared about the, the self, like honoring the self, we're taught to give it away. We even have languaging around, oh, I, I gave my virginity away or I lost mm. my virginity yeah. versus I chose to share this with someone. Yeah. I chose to share it because I was a yes and they were a yes. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, again, it's just a different level of awareness, of, of languaging, of consciousness. That's completely different in, like what you said, in our sexuality education. I think it's in Denmark. 
I could be completely wrong, but I remember reading about their programs that started at a very young age and it was under an umbrella of sexuality education. Because like you said, it's no longer just about chemistry or the physical body, like sex education, but it's around understanding, you know, gender identity, mm-hmm. where you feel natural and what's that everything is okay to accept our uniqueness within our sexual identity. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, there's nothing wrong if you are a beautiful sensual being and you are a consenting adult with another partner and that relationship, you know, it doesn't have to be marriage. It doesn't have to be long-term for some people. It's just a moment in time, but I think it's also understanding your why. You know, why is it that moment in time? Is it purely a chemistry thing that you both need to scratch? Is it a connection that you're feeling there, that you're totally drawn to each other? But I think one of the things that's missing in our sensuality is our honesty with self. What is driving me? Is this expectation to put out? Is it something, well, you know, I feel an arousal, so I need to follow it through. Is it something I'm not a woman unless I am sexually expressive I, I you know I think what we're looking at as you said before lack of communication of um, the labeling the expectation and what we truly are looking for because we're very very confused yeah I was doing work with young women where they went through this whole process um, through breath work through different ways to clear and move some old emotional shadow and, and shame. And when that opened up, what naturally happened is they started to feel sensually alive, mm-hmm. you know, started to feel more in their body. They started to feel more sexual attraction. They started to feel more desire. And when that first came up, like in what felt like an explosion, there was confusion. What do I do with it? And what started what I started witnessing is some women thinking they needed to act on it. Yes. Right. Oh, I feel this. And it's for all genders, but I feel this amount of sexual or sensual desire and connection. So I need to share it. I mean, that's natural that we feel that way. But what I found in the educational system was how can we bring in that component of just Sitting, I mean, like a meditation, just Mm -hmm. sitting still in the desire, Mm -hmm. in the aroused state that happens in our body. Because what I have found when we just sit with it and start to investigate it and ask ourselves questions on a deeper level, rather than instantly or immediately giving it away or sharing it, right? It has information. Yes. We can understand, oh, okay, so what am I actually desiring? You know, because desire has much more to do with what we're looking for that's within the object in front of us. It's not the object that we actually want Mm -hmm. because that object, if it is another person, if it is our orgasm or the expression of our sexuality, there's something within that that we're seeking. Yeah. So that pause lets us get clearer and it's an empowered decision, right? Because then rather than giving it away or sharing it with unknown expectations and then having the expectations afterwards and going down this vicious cycle, 
is that, wow, we can get clear on what, what truly am I wanting here? And what sensually is it really waking in you? It's waking you up sexually because your sensuality, your senses are being tuned, And maybe those senses stay with them. Take the journey. What are, you, what are you feeling right now? It is not maybe the indication that it's time for sex. Maybe it's time for self-pleasure instead of seeking somebody else. Maybe it is something, interaction that you're doing right now um, that has r made all these beautiful senses switch right back on, which will turn your sexuality on. And again, it's not for you to always act on. In a way, I need to share this with someone. It's, a, it's an intimacy with you, for you. Understand what it is for you first before you go sharing it with everyone else. <laughs> what, what happens is often many of us are trying to fill a void. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And so whether we're jumping at um, having sex or overeating or drugs, it's we're filling an emotional void. And so, you know, I know both of us here, we're not here saying having sex is bad. I'm all for learning to have awareness. So when you make the choice to engage sexually, it can be fully honoring all parts of who you are. Again, whether it's for one moment in time, like you shared earlier, or whether it's in a longer term relationship, but it's about honoring the self and the person who you're also sharing with. Honesty, yeah. Honesty and the key component is realizing that if we stand in a place of having, you know, those old emotional conditionings where we're mm -hmm. trying to fill a void by filling ourselves with endless sex or the food or the drugs, we still need to go to the root cause. And that is addressing the emotional state and the psychological state of the being at hand. We kind of disconnect that, don't we? We're either too much in our heads and not enough in our bodies, our soul and our spirits and our heart, or we're all in our body and disconnecting the information from the head. The thing is, is that in order, again, that sensuality is that connection between your divine consciousness, your heart, your spirit, and your mind, and your body. Your body will reflect that information out. You're actually resonating out a beautiful essence and a vibration and why are we not tuning in to discover what that really is saying to us why are we not sitting in that wonderful feeling before we're rushing to say oh you know basically people say well i'm horny need to go find someone or i need to do something about it no maybe you're not maybe you're just sensually ignited to enjoy that beautiful sensation that your body is going through right now and it doesn't need a completion it just needs you to sit in that beautiful moment and enjoy that sensuality and everything about the connection between your, your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. For many people, that place that we're talking about of sensual, I'll call it sensual awakening. Awakening our senses is an immense amount of simply feeling in the body. Feeling for most people is very uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> when it pertains to pleasure. So I want to share like what we're speaking of. For many, this isn't an easy concept or an action to step into that. And I want to acknowledge that for, for people's mm -hmm. lives that 
there is a place, and I know through my own experience, of realizing that nothing else matters and we're ready to take that leap of faith and to step into the fire. And I remember it's been about 25 years now where I, I was living in my youth very disconnected. I was doing everything not to feel. Mm -hmm. And I had a moment in my life where I went through an experience, my body collapsed and I was forced due to that experience to feel the most amount of physical and emotional pain I had felt in my entire lifetime. I was around 26, 27 of age. And that was my wake up call because I didn't listen and my body forced me into that place. Mm -hmm. But what I realized in that moment is I spent 26 years of my life forgetting who I was or never knowing who you were, never knowing who I was having going into relationships to fill the void. I used sex for a couple of years to actually self punish myself mm -hmm. because I didn't feel my own worth. And so I'm sharing that because I'm not saying it's easy to take that step, but what I've learned and through my years of work is that we need to be willing to, for a moment to step into that fire that yes, discomfort yes. yes, and seek help to do it. But if we continue to run from that discomfort, we're not going to create the change that we're wanting. We're not going to create the fulfilling relationships that we're seeking. We're not going to shift the, the issues that we're talking about sexual harm or sex trafficking at a superficial level. Mm -hmm. We need to create environments and platforms for all beings, all human beings to be able to feel safe again. Yes. To go into that part of themselves because the reason there's harm and disconnect in the world is because people aren't feeling safe inside themselves. They're not connected to themselves. That's the problem. And of course, you know, when you're looking at sex trafficking of any level, mm -hmm. everybody thinks deviance you know, um, um, or, you know, people are just cashing in on it. Those are people who are utterly disconnected. The people who are purchasing the sex with minors, whether it be online or whether it, you know, be actual prostitution, um, whatever is going on there, they're people who haven't yet awoken to their own sexuality or sensuality. They're running from themselves. And, and they go down the rabbit hole. They didn't start off. If you told them one day, you know, you're going to be having sex with minors and, and um, you know, sexual abuse, or you're going to be watching uh, children have been kidnapped and watching sex porn and all of that, and it's going to turn you on, they'll probably say, you're sick. Who do you think you are? But the more you deny yourself and the more you keep avoiding what you need to do, uh, and in that awakening of those senses of coming into yourself, that's where I think people you know, they, they partake one and then it steps to two and it steps to three. And the next thing you know, they're right down that rabbit hole and it's ordinary people could be your neighbor, could be your pastor, could be the teacher. You know, it's ordinary people out there that just didn't go through that journey of their own self-awakening. Some of it's escapism and something is just looking for something to make them feel alive. 
when I often say that we have built, and I say we, cause I do feel as a collective, we're all a part of yes. it is we have built a structure, you know, society that in my belief wasn't built for humans to thrive. Mm. It was built in a sense of controlling yeah. human beings. And so while I'll admit, you know, I have much to learn about sex trafficking since I'm, an, I'm more of an educator and now I'm just merging with this organization, is that, again, whether it's sex trafficking, drugs, um, using a relationship to, to, to find something outside of ourselves, it's still about filling a void. Yeah. And many of us, um, again, because the structure is just not working, are living confused. Yeah, absolutely. And on every level, small or large, if we all think about this and the people listening in is when we are confused, when I'm confused and I try to make a decision from that confused state, the decision's going to be off kilter. Yeah. And again, we're talking on on all different levels, whether that's extreme harm, creating harm to another human being, creating harm to herself or something smaller and just maybe making a business decision or right. a relational decision, it's going to be off kilter if we're living from that state of confusion. So now just imagine how big and extreme someone's confusion is who, yes, like you're speaking into, they haven't had um, the privilege I'm going to use. They haven't had the privilege to grow up in an environment that encourage them to have that connection with themselves. Right. Encourage an environment where they had empowering sex positive conversations and education. And so rather they grew up in a world where it suppressive rather it, than it, expressive. Yeah, it suppressed and it more so um, taught them to live in a cage. Mm -hmm confused and scared yeah and, and you know we've we've got a lot of um people out there as the me too movement has has shown of entitlement and a lot of that entitlement has come from narcissistic people who with narcissism <coughs> in their development they're not taught empathy they're not taught outside of that thing of survival me myself and i when a child is young that's where you teach them to care care for others, don't do harm to others, um, other people's feelings count just as much as your own. And when they're not taught that growing up, um, everything to them is they feel entitled. And so a woman there, or a man there, depending on male or female narcissist, is the entitlement is, is that you're there to please me, right? Now, we're asking people to place importance upon themselves which is different to self-importance. Self-importance is derived from that narcissistic entitlement behavior and very insecure. But when we're asking people to place importance upon themselves, is that you matter. Man, woman, child, we matter. And that we owe it not only to ourselves, but to the society around us to learn to love ourselves on all levels. And that 
sex isn't a replacement for love. I went down that rabbit hole for a while where I thought sex meant love until rude awakening and realized it wasn't at all that way. But when we learn to love ourselves on all levels, that permission to be, to become, that is when we actually learn to actually understand how we see others, how we interact with others, and see the value of other people. Would you say that this Me Too movement right now is wakening people up to that need of self-love? <laughs> I think the Me Too movement is awakening us on several levels. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think it's awakening our voices, which would be a self-worth piece, which I would identify as having self-worth to recognize that for us as individuals to be able to talk about what we want, what we don't want, where we may have had the confusion, where we may have said yes when we met no, like that to me is all related to self-worth, to having mm -hmm. a voice. The other place which I find is the shadowy side of movements is where we move be we go farther than the empathy and the understanding and the listening to persecution yes and i can find it's a slippery what i witness is it's a very slippery mm -hmm. slope is that often especially when we have immense emotion that has been bottled up for so long and movements like this right there's an explosion of those those feelings those emotions coming out and and they deserve to be out. And these are conversations that are important and that we need to have. However, if we get caught up in our anger over what someone did to us versus having a conversation about what someone did to us and then going into being proactive, mm -hmm. which is about, okay, you know, this happened. I expressed my anger. I feel heard. I'm going to have a voice now for other women or all genders in the world. And now we need to start to, at least what we started this conversation with, is now we need to move towards the educational piece. We need to move towards the building our emotional intelligence piece where we can have these conversations and be honest about what we're feeling, what we're needing, but in the same right, be able to compassionately hear what someone else is feeling, what they are needing. And this isn't talking about we're saying something is right or something is wrong. We're not taking sides in a conversation no. like this. But now we are creating a platform where um, all people, I don't like the, ver the, the language of victim or, mm -hmm. you know, I would like to say all human beings can come together no matter what side we're on and start to learn these skills. So we know that we can say no. Mm -hmm. We know that we can have strong boundaries. We know that if that needs to happen, we can do that. And, and vice versa. The other people know that, well, creating harm on somebody else is actually stemming from because I'm creating harm on myself. Exactly. And it lack, I don't have self-worth or self-value. So it, there's not a black and white answer yeah. for something like this. No. And, you know, I, I remember once doing a show, just on my own, where it's, 
let's stop blaming the men because we have to look at how they're raised. They don't know any differently. They're brought up, you know, um, the mark of a man is, you know, and the notch in the belt and scoring and you treat a woman this way because she's submissive. Um, and we have to look at that patterning through the hundreds of thousands of years that's been there. There is a gentleman that started um, a radio show in, um, in the Arab countries for women, for women to talk to other women on their issues. And he said, I've only got 40% male listenership. And I said, what? You've got 40% male listening to women share their issues and their stories. What a wonderful education. Now that gets passed down to their sons. And their sons look at their mothers and their sisters and women differently. You know, it starts in the home. It starts right from the child. And that education of who cares what sex it is, let's look at each other as beautiful individuals, lovingly and caringly. We have got thousands of years of old patterning to change. It's not going to change overnight. And it's not going to change if we're on the sidelines. It's only going to change if we're willing to step up and change it first and foremost within ourselves. Yeah. And again, like you said, it, it's going to take all genders. And yes. I don't, I personally, most of my work is with men and couples. And so I feel graced and grateful that I get to witness um, men come into their vulnerability and witness again that place of confusion that was there and that there are men coming forth and they want to learn and they want to evolve and they're looking for safe places to do that and so yeah so all genders it, it, it educating our children and raising them like you just shared in an environment where they see something that's different yes yes and w when we're when we're brought up, like, you, you know, taught sexuality in the locker rooms or, mm. or, or, or um, you know, like you said, how women are suppressive. And so you need to take charge and to realize there needs, again, we come back again and again in this conversation of a new educational system and a new approach and that it's going to take, I believe, educators as well to feel safe with the shadowy side of sexuality. Mm. And I think that's important to bring in because, you know, I was having a conversation with other educators and there is a component where some people in the world right now are feeling demasculinated. Yes. Yes. Because we're starting to swing potentially in some areas to another extreme, to the mm. other side. And so how do we find that harmony of coming into the center because I personally don't believe it's an extreme side. Yeah. I believe it's about all genders coming. We need to come into the middle and find that harmony. And because there is components to um, our masculinity or our femininity that are wild and fiery. Yes. And, and that's part of our being as well. Yes. And I don't yeah. find those um, components and parts of our persona bad, but again, it's that 
the emotion, the emotions underneath that, if those are controlling those shadowy sides, that's where they get bad. But when we can be in environments where we can feel at peace with our desire and wanting to be ravished, and for some people, they love to be submissive and dominant, but it's consensual. Yes. And so where can we start to let go of the shame and judgment even around those shadowy sides and start to feel, I want to say, acceptance and start to understand them more. Um, even if certain parts of them maybe aren't our expression, but we can start to have more compassion and understanding about them. Permission to be. And, you know, um, we're all looking for that permission to be. You know, can I be myself? What is myself? Will I be rejected? And that's a huge component in the sexual game. You know, nobody's looking to be rejected. And so people very often will maybe not pay attention to the way someone's treating them out of the fear of rejection. And we don't want to be rejected because we want to know we're enough. We're enough for you. We're enough for each other. But again, it goes back to we have to be enough for ourselves. When we're enough for ourselves and we've raised that boundary, we've raised that frequency, that vibration within us, we're now going to be seeking out people that are also have taken that journey and are enough in their own skin. And when you come together, it's not just physical. It is spiritual. It is vibrational. It is intellectual. It is everything. And that connection that you make then is the utter supreme connection because it's no longer just about sex. That is the beautiful epiphany of it all. But it is about being able to look in each other's eyes in that conversation, in that simple touch, in that simple thought, and always have the, your senses awaken and feeling about each other. We're all looking for that kind of partner in life, aren't we? But we can't look for it unless we've found it for ourselves within ourselves first. Yeah. We, we live in a society where there's so much addiction. And I mean addiction is being addicted to needing something from someone else. Mm, yeah. Being addicted for someone else's approval. Complete me. Yes. That idea, yes. <laughs> Yes, the idea of you complete me. And that to me is an addiction. And until we address that addiction, again, that emotional, psychological level, we're going to continue running the same cycle. In my past, I actually, when I was, when I was 30, I was 29, 30, I chose a path of seven years of celibacy. And I chose that path because prior to that, that was when I had that realization that, wow, I didn't know who I was anymore. I didn't know what I wanted. I was settling. I was filling the void with a lot of things, including sex and relationship. And I realized that, wow, like no one else's job. It's no one else's yes. job to change this in me. And the only way I was going to attract or to, I'll use the language that, how can I expect someone else to touch me or be with me in a certain way if I'm unable yeah. to be with me in that way? Yes. And so my path was for some extreme, seven years of celibacy, 
but the intention of that path was I devoted my life to knowing myself physically, mentally, emotionally, and sexually because I knew I desired something different in my life and in my experience with my sexuality. Yeah. Yes. And I fully understand that. Um, you know, I'm very much a single woman right now. A lot of people, I can hook you up and I'm not for hookups. <laughs> I don't want that at all. Um, when I do meet somebody, it, it has to be on that whole other beautiful level that then turns the body on that then when it comes to being a relationship um, that is something that really ignites us into a different level into a different plane and you know it is I think going back to placing value upon yourself going back to your uh, the importance of you what do you need and uh, you know addiction sexual prowess going after vulnerables, um, getting a kick out of taking people against their will is an addiction. And as I said earlier in the show, it isn't always about sex. That's just the form of control. It is about dominancy and control. There was a brilliant show back in the 90s where they did a whole series on interviewing rapists. And there was one woman that met her rapist in jail. And he said to her, look, you did nothing wrong. You didn't wear anything wrong. You weren't, you know, uh, exploiting yourself in any way. I just targeted you and I raped you because I wanted to dominate you. I got off from your fear. That was my sexual high, is getting off on your fear. And he said, don't let me out. I don't know how to control this. I'll do it again. And because for so many women who are raped or children, they immediately take on the shame and the blame of, I must have done something wrong. Right? And it's very hard for people to come back from that. Yeah. yeah. I envision a world where, where both sides of that have the come into alignment to do come back from that. And, you know, I remember the period where I use sex as a form of self punishment. And mm -hmm. I was, it was when I was young, I was 18. I shared my sexuality for the first, I shared my sex for the first time when I was 18. And towards the end of that relationship, I started feeling desire towards other people. I started feeling attraction back then I had, didn't have the skills I have today and I didn't know what to do with it. And it confused me. And I remember one night being at a party and start, I kissed another man. As soon as I kissed this man, I felt immense amount of self persecution, mm -hmm. judgment, mm -hmm. shame, betrayal, betrayal. <laughs> I instantly broke up with my boyfriend without communicating because I felt such a lack of worthiness because of what I did. Mm -hmm. And it was after I broke up with him that the next almost three years is I allowed men, I did it, no one else did it, 
I allowed men to do whatever they wanted to to me. I put myself in situations that here I am, you know, didn't speak up. And it was through that period that I obviously lost such touch with who I was and what I wanted and my desire. And I was just a body and, and no matter what it felt like. And I'm grateful that I took the steps to change that so quickly after three years. And so I envision a world, again, you're talking about the rapist or the, the, the person who, who was on the other end of that, who was raped. Seeing again, our platforms and our systems being able to hold space for these human beings. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel so um, tender in my heart when you share that story because I know people who are going into the prison systems um, and then vice versa outside of the prison systems. But that's, let's create a world where, where we can just hold these people and educate them yeah. and be with them in their fear and their suffering and their pain. And, um, and I believe we're doing that. I believe, and I know that you, you surround yourself with many people who are in the, in the experiences of they're the ones doing it, you know, like me, my circles, we're, we're intending to be a part of creating and supporting this change. But coming back to something you shared earlier is, you know, we, we have this idea as well of seeking the one, mm -hmm. like there's the one. And what I've come to learn is when I am connected to myself, I feel intimately connected with everything mm -hmm. in every moment, whether that's the sounds of the birds, the, the sounds of nature, whether that's having a conversation with someone else. And so for me in that moment, that means that everyone I engage with in that moment mm -hmm. is actually the one, but they are the one because I'm available for it. And I also know my boundaries, my yeses, my noes. I'm so centered, like I'm so in integrity with myself, which means I've created the safety within me. Yes. So I know I can experience life in extremely open degrees, but that's only because I've done so much extreme work. But when I'm in a situation, I can be open to that person in that moment. And to me, that's the one. And so again, it comes back to a lot of what we're saying about cultivating those skills inside of ourself. So the safety comes from within and then we can have those solid expressions of our, in our external environments to create that safe space. You've become the love you seek. Yes. Right? So if you are the love you seek, then the people that you put around you will be people that will honor that love. And the connections you have will be the very, very many layers of connections. But it will all be with love intent. Because you're sharing your love, you're sharing yourself. Whether it's a conversation, whether it's intimacy. It is done from that place of love. 
and with people who honor and respect your love of self and who you are. And I think this is, again, another old programming we need to undo. Who do you think you are placing that value upon yourself? Placing that boundary upon yourself? Placing love upon yourself? I am a, a being living a human existence that must come from a place of love, must come from a place of kindness and caring. And if I do not give kindness and caring to myself, if I do not love myself, how will I know how to place love and kindness upon anyone else? It is imperative that we look after ourselves and become that love, for that is the love that we resonate and share with everyone else on all levels. Yeah, and boundaries are an act of love. And mm -hmm. that's where there often can be a confusion. So often we're like, oh, we say yes because we care about this other person. And we, and we feel bad if we didn't give in. And I want to say that when we create boundaries, it is truly about, again, an act of self-love and an act of loving someone else because our boundaries are giving information to someone else. They're telling someone else, if we look at our interaction with other people as a sporting event, as a game, mm -hmm. sharing our boundaries in the moment are actually giving them the, the guidelines of the playing fields. And so where our boundaries are created according to our emotional, our energetic, our physical and psychological state, they are changing in every moment. Mm -hmm. And so if I can be so connected with myself, again, that's a self-worth piece, to feel what I'm feeling and needing, that means I will know what my boundaries are in the moment. So that's developing a relationship with myself. And then by communicating that with someone else in a very clear way, I'm then again, get letting them know more of me. And that is creating a field of intimacy. Yes. That means when we say no, we are actually creating more intimacy, which to the mind that seems backwards, but because we're letting someone else know us more by saying where we're no, we are creating more intimacy and connection. And so I think that's an important note for people to understand, especially if they tend to always feel they need to say yes and yes and yes. Mm. And they've been taught that saying no is selfish. Yes. And they shouldn't go there. And I wanted to give those tools because those are everything you're talking about, about self-love. Mm -hmm. But they need to come into our tangible acts. And it's not always about being the pushover or saying yes. Right. Yeah. When you step into that place of, of self-love, that is already your boundary. And it then becomes intent. What is your intention with our connection? Is it one of mutual respect, of open communication? Are we giving each other permission to explore what this means, but within those parameters of respect of self, respect of each other, and understanding that there will be limitations if one doesn't feel comfortable. And 
I think again, when we start seeing each other from the inside out and not the outside, this beautiful vessel we're in, and sometimes it's a very central looking vessel, very beautiful vessel that can arouse people from the outside. But when people choose to look at you from the inside out, that's when they truly see your inner beauty, your inner sensuality, your inner beingness. And that connection with that person is more etheric than anything else. Yes, and I want to celebrate. I want to celebrate people's arousal and mm-hmm. and that the beauty inside and yes. out mm-hmm. and and not deny either. And also to remember that we are responsible for how we feel. Yeah. We are responsible for the environment that we create. And I, that, that's a really big idea and a concept. So I'm not saying that there's not harmful experiences that we might come to, to engage with, depending on everyone else that, that's in the playing field. But what I mean by we are responsible is we can respond in a very clear way because we want to, to me, in my view, avoid putting expectation onto another human being to create our safety. And we get to make those decisions of where we're in alignment and where we're not and to step away from a situation. And I'm talking, you know, obviously if there's physical control and harm, that might be obviously a bit more challenging to step away from. But if it's more of an emotional, um, energetic, you know, component is we have the power to say no and to give ourselves permission to, wow, thank you for expressing your desire to me. Thank Mm -hmm. you for letting me know how attracted you are to me. And I'm not feeling the same. So thank you, but no thank you. And don't look upon it as, oh, I've been rejected and my self-worth has gone down. It just means there isn't a match. There isn't a synergy, and that's okay. Correct. And, and if we're speaking more from the person who's sharing that no, is that can we share that no from a place of compassion rather than condemning the person who just expressed their sexual attraction to us? Right. Mm-hmm. And again, everything I'm phrasing is all about bringing it back to me because I'm empowered to say yes or no. If someone wants to express something they desire of me, wonderful. I want them to express that. Thank you. Yes, thank you. And thank you for feeling comfortable to say it. And no, I am an absolute no to that. And walk away. Yes. Right? So everything we're talking about is not about a right or wrong, but it's about self-empowerment. And And it's not about an obligation. Oh my God, they've played me a compliment, so I should. No, (laughs) that's not the way you do it, right? Um, You've got this charity event that's going on right now, which is uh, raising awareness and and raising funds for um, sexual exploitation of children in Vancouver, BC, Canada. Of course, this exploitation, as I said, is a $150 billion industry a year worldwide. Um, And again, it's something that is an epidemic 
which again comes down from each individual uh, needing to own themselves and willing to do the work in themselves to find that love within them so they don't need to go and seek it out down the rabbit hole so to speak but um, what is this organization why are you a part of it and what are they doing so the organization is called the children of street society sorry the children um, of the children of the street society mm. and they're an organization that builds awareness around sex trafficking here in vancouver they build awareness around the online world of mm -hmm. sex trafficking they not only are building awareness around sex trafficking for parents and children but they're actually going into the school systems of teens and doing educational programs for teens Good. around emotional intelligence around consent around boundaries around communication and how I found them was I was doing a search and I knew, you know, there was a match that matched my mission with my book, Revolutionizing Intimacy, which is around creating a new platforms around the way we humanly relate in the world. And I found a news segment, they were on the news and it was so touching to me because they had a young teen and a young teen girl, male and female, and they were sharing their personal experiencing experiences in these classes. And I was so inspired by watching the, these youth know what consent was, know about boundaries and learning about the masculine and feminine and how to interact with each other. And even talking about it right now, my heart just mm. feels so open and alive. And I'm just like, that's it. Like that. Yes. I'm like, that's it. And so on, February 17th, here in Vancouver, Canada, at the CBC, it's going to be held downtown at the CBC, we are bringing together a three-hour event that's a combination of celebrating my book, Revolutionizing Intimacy, Navigating Connection in a Disconnected World. It will be an evening of education, of community building, of bringing in the children of the street society to build awareness around their platform and holding a workshop around creating connection. And so giving people different tools around team building and communication and how to relate different as human beings. Yeah. Boy, is that needed on a big, big scale. We all seek connection. We all seek relationship. We all want to be loved. We all want to know we matter. We all would love to have that beautiful intimacy, but we don't know how because the old way is obsolete. It has to go. It's been very detrimental. And we have to understand there's a new paradigm out there and that empowerment across the board is no matter what your sex is, it is about you as a human being understanding your love within you, the love who you're meant to be, and understanding how to express your boundaries, how to walk away, but also how to connect. And in that beautiful word of respect of self and respect of each other, imagine that this next generation where boy meets girl, instead of expectation, does she put out, you know, or, you know, he only likes me if I do put out, you know, if that was 
I really want to get to know you. Who are you about? Let's celebrate one another. And they develop an intimacy that isn't always just sexual or isn't sexual at all. It's a beautiful sensual intimacy that doesn't even go down the sexual road. Or when it does, it's honest. It's honest and true. Look at the future of the sex trade and how that will change because you haven't got people seeking uh, some sort of satisfaction, gratification down the wrong place because they found it within themselves. So this is very, very empowering and so very needed right now, not just in Vancouver, but in the world. Will it be recorded? Will it be televised? So we will be live streaming the event. Excellent. <laughs> and as well, we will be videoing the entire event. So there'll be material shared after the event all over, for all over the world, internationally, all over the web. So what do people get if they participate? How much does it cost? Where does it go? So the proceeds go to Children of the Street Society. The ticket cost is, we've actually kept it as a, at a very low ticket cost. The ticket cost is $40. They, with the price of the ticket, they get entry and they also get a copy of my book, Revolutionizing Intimacy. And again, the proceeds go towards Children of the Street Society. You know, I don't care whether you have kids or not. My kids are all grown. But whether you have kids or not, or intend to have kids, this is something we need to understand. We understand that kids of the street are very vulnerable to all sorts of abuse, sexual abuse, drug abuse, numerous other things. And the more empowerment we give them to find themselves, uh, to find that love of self, to step into their own lives with the right skills and the right tools and the right support, we are giving them that empowerment to not become those vulnerable victims. But also, you know, when you talked about addiction, of course, there is the other side um, of people, you know, that go down the actual drug addiction road as a wave escapism. And if we can help people not go there or get out of there early before, you know, before it's too far gone, then we are creating a future society that really knows how to communicate each other from that place of self-love. We've raised that vibration. We start treating each other with more respect. And we really start seeing that beautiful ripple effect. Those kids will raise their kids differently. Those kids will have different interactions with each other. That entitlement and that subserviency and that uh, disempowerment of your voice will be gone because we have stepped into it and we've shown um, the children of tomorrow, that it is okay for them to be themselves and to speak to what they need and what they don't need and how to express it and interact with other people. I think the huge problem in the world is we simply don't know how to communicate, do we? Yeah. Yeah. And a big portion of, of the book and my teachings are around communication. I find, I find communication Strangely, how simple it may sound, it seems the most complicated. And I find it is the saving grace to most everything we're talking about. And this is why even in this, in this event, we're, we're targeting and we're looking at teams and businesses and men's group and women's group, because even as adults, right, the abuse and the addiction is still happening. And so 
addiction to business, addiction to, yes. to, to you know, getting on the top no matter yes. what. And so communication, communication, communication. How can we come back to actually deeply listening to, you know, one of the things around emotional intelligence, right? It is being able to identify, clearly identify what I am feeling, what I am needing, mm -hmm. and being able to listen and understand what someone else is feeling and needing and to realize that none of it is personal and that we're responsible for that. Can we start to communicate from that place, whether it's personally or professionally, so we can start opening up the door to more collaboration, less addiction, less trying to fill voids. And less blame, right? Less control and less blame. And I think it's also a totally new language. We need a new verbiage, the way we talk to each other. And I think it has to be more invitational to open up and you know there's there's so many words that we use that are confrontational right from the word go whether we mean it or not that just those words trigger that confrontation and that if we start choosing different words and also the tone in which we communicate not only with self but with others is the invitation we really do want to interact with each other we really do want to get to know each other from the inside out. We really do want to know that that connection, however it comes, is honest. Whether it is just a fleeting moment or a longer relationship, we want to know it's honest. And we can't find that honesty if we don't find it first within ourselves. And it starts with feeling. Mm -hmm. this is don't be afraid to feel. Don't run from it. We need to feel in order for anything in our life to have sustainable change. We have to feel first. Yes. Once we start to feel, when I feel deeper, my choices are automatically going to be different. My choices are going to be more empowered because I am living with greater awareness and greater presence. And then you go into the skill building part, which is building the skills around communication because already the way we communicate is going to shift. Like you talked about the energetics, the body language, the tempo, the tone, it's not a mechanical shift, but when I start to feel more, mm -hmm. those things just organically start to shift. And then we can start to learn the skills around empathy, communication, and other components like that. I'm always saying, don't think your knowledge, feel your knowledge. And when we feel it, we have a more comprehension of it. The, also, the other thing, um, I talk a great deal about us giving birth to ourselves. You know, that nine months of process. You have to understand whatever you're doing to change your life is a process. You have to be willing to go through the lessons, gather the tools, um, hear the wisdom that you can apply to yourself. And then in that rebirthing of yourself, yes, you said it right at the top. It's painful. It's painful at that time. But when you allow that pain, which is a form of realignment and deleting what does not serve you, that new birth of yourself and this new beautiful being of who you really meant to be, the way you see life, the way you interact with life, the way you interact centrally sexually on all levels is who you're meant to be and how you're meant to be living and is absolutely a beautiful place to be 
but you've got to be willing to go through the process. There is no quick fix, is there? There's not. And on that note, I'd love to share a quick give process for people to take yes. away from. And so, you know, we're here speaking a lot about feeling and I work with a lot of type A analytical people and I understand that the, the word even feel more can be like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I understand that. So to start a simple process you can start with is take five minutes Find someplace quiet just to sit, maybe when you get home from work, maybe during a lunch break, but just sit. Close your eyes, and all you're going to do is start to pay attention to the physiological, so this is very physical, the physiological events that are happening in your body. It's very simple. Don't make it so big. Mm -hmm. Notice temperature in your body. Notice your breath moving. Notice tingle or tightness or muscle constriction. Start to identify the pure physical, physiological responses. And then every time you sit, start to increase the time you sit. And all you're doing is taking your attention and moving it through your body to track those physical sensations. And that is the very first step to start to feel more. And that is a pivotal step and important step. It's kind of like the old karate kid format, mm -hmm. wax on, wax off. That is your wax on, wax off exercise. <laughs> and we have to start somewhere. Again, the willingness to be able to go through the process. But also, as you said, if you don't connect to how you feel, how are you going to go through the process in understanding how you feel? That connection first to yourself is really, really important. And being aware, what is your body telling you? Because your body has a language all of its own, doesn't it? It has beautiful sensory. And if it's feeling something, it's telling you something. So it's communicating with you. And this is a way of being in tuned with it, listening to it through that feeling and connecting with it. And then connecting why does it feel this way? Now we've opened up the doors, haven't we? And now it's kind of exploring all of that. So the willingness, if your life isn't working, and you know, so many of us delude ourselves. You did for so many years until you, you, know, you had that redirect, that crash and that redirect, because you had fooled yourself for so many years, this was the way. And then Obviously, you had the taps on the shoulders and you weren't paying attention and the rug got pulled from underneath you and then it was crash, rebuild. And we're giving people the tools and the skills and the opportunity to rebuild their lives into who they really are, what they really stand for, that beautiful connection with self uh, and their sensuality and their sexuality so that they can communicate that better with others. Yes. All of that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the, the site or how do people sign up for this, um, this charity event? And also how do people find you and your book? Perfect. So information for me and my book, they can come on by my website, which is soulfulrelatinginstitute.com. Um, regarding the event, they can also find information on the event on that website. If they have trouble, they can simply email me. My email is on everything can be accessed through my website. We are selling tickets through Eventbrite as well as on social media. 
Excellent. And the date for the event again is? The date for the event is February 17th from 5.30 to 9.30 p.m. And that's in downtown Vancouver. On that specific time. And, it is, and time. it is recorded live on CBS? We will be streaming and we will be recording. Excellent. And of course, when you sign up, they'll give you all the links for that. And then if you do miss it, there is a, a recording that's going to be put together for afterwards. Yes, there will be. And I want to share with you that the book, my book, yes. is on sale right now for 75% off on Amazon. And Excellent. so that is a pretty high discount. So yeah. if anyone feels the whim to go grab a copy. And, uh, and the thing is, start somewhere. Start somewhere. You know, this price at the present moment, what an invitation. You know, get the book, start. If the stuff that's confusing or you're just not quite sure how to connect to it, that's when they reach out to you. Right, start asking you the questions, start willing to take the journey. But understand, if we are to stop sex trafficking, sex trade, the sexual abuse of minors or anyone, anyone, we have to start looking at ourselves on how we perceive it, how we interact with it, how we take responsibility for it, and how we take ownership of our own beautiful divine selves and step into that love. Because we are the answer we seek to this national problem. It's not, oh, that's somebody else's problem, not mine. It's everybody's problem. We cannot turn our back on these innocents. It's everyone's problem and it becomes a societal disease. So we have to step up in whichever way so the book is an excellent way to start off being a part of an understanding and hearing what this organization is doing and whether you're in vancouver bc or whether it's elsewhere the information you're going to get from this is something that you'll be able to take into your own community and see things differently and that you can go and join somewhere else because this is a global concern so please don't turn your back on it we need to help these children they're innocent they should not go through this abuse. They have the right to live a beautiful life and we need to enable them to do that. So we need to start with self so that we can help others. Thank you, Tispora, for being here with us again. I invite people to go back and listen to all the other many shows that you've done with us. And you can find them here on selfdiscoveryradiotv.com where you can find her other shows just by putting in her name because she shares a lot of wisdom on all of them. It's been great having you here, love. Thank you. It's been a joy. <laughs> so please sign up for the organization for the event, 17th of February. Get the book now on Amazon. Get in contact with her. Take the first step. Each step afterwards gets easier and easier. And at some point, you notice you're running. And it's absolutely great. But it starts with step one. So in order to change the problems of the world, let's start dealing with our own inner issues. Then we're more equipped to face what's going on in the world. So thank you, Lev, and to everyone else. Until next time, bye for now. For more wonderful shows like this, please go to selfdiscoveryradio.com, podcasts and see our lineup. And if you wish to support us, we have a funded button. Please stay tuned for our next show.